And, uh, Joy, as you say, when you're giving your uh, your resume, if you would, you're the executive director of The Federalist and a happy wife and the mother of six. Now, do the, does one of those sometimes grab more attention than the others at different points in time? Oh, they all do. <laughs> Actually, <that's, laughs> the one that I always want to have the most attention probably gets the least. That's time with my husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's his name again? Fred? Harold? What? <laughs> you over there? Hey, what's your name? Um, yeah. So, sometimes Kim and I... Uh, we would struggle too. Uh, we would be together chasing the kids in their marching band or their choir all over the state yep. of Indiana, but and you know, in, in softball games and this game and that game. But sometimes just to be together as the family, just to sit down and go, ah, it's a little hard to find. Well, listen, I'm glad I found you today. Um, I really, really, really like this article of yours that's out. Like DeSantis, every Republican lawmaker should block College Board's critical race theory class. Uh, before we get to the critical race theory portion of it, you say every Republican governor and state lawmaker should come to this same conclusion. They should copy what Ron DeSantis decided last week for his state. Now, this is I'll give you my opinion. You say yes or no. I think DeSantis is doing an awful lot of right things for the people in the state of Florida. Yeah, I think he's great. I, I'm, I mean, I, every single time I hear of him doing something, it's like, you know, praise God. But the thing that I that actually is kind of sad about him is that he is, you know, often a standout. I kind of think, I just think a lot of the things that he does should just be like standard issue for Republican executives. Yeah, yeah. So so, and I actually kind of feel that way. That also plays, of course, into the Republican primary, you know, that we have coming up for the presidential. Like, it's really sad that we don't have any new, better options on the field. Um, That's a really sad state of the party. And I think a way for party members to kind of work their way up and get in prominence really is to just copy, start with by copying uh, Governor DeSantis. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't hurt to do that. So let's see if we want to copy Governor DeSantis, where he blocked a major company from selling some critical race theory promoting uh, information that they had for curriculum for high schools to public high schools in the state of Florida. Uh, what is it that it's that this company's doing? What is it when a critical race theory shows up uh, at a high school in their curriculum? Is it always like in social studies? Is it always in English? Is it always in math? Or is it all over the board? Well, I mean, I would actually say it could go all over the board. And there, in fact, are overt efforts to make it be integrated into every subject in school. I mean, of course, you're going to see the major part of it in the humanities, because I think it's easier uh, to fudge the humanities and to kind of turn them into indoctrination sections. Um, But, I mean, there are people who believe in this ideology, believe it as fervently as any holy roller, (laughs) you know, in church. And so they want to integrate it into every subject possible. Give me give me the Joy Pullman thumbnail definition of what you view to be critical race theory. Well, I mean, I think the, I mean, the one word definition of it is racism. (laughs) And I think, you know, a couple more words onto it. If you want, you know, it's easy to find other folks, you know, maybe the standout writer on this in modern times is Christopher Rufo. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so folks have heard of his reporting. He's done a huge amount of it showing how this ideology is really marbled throughout our, not only our education institutions, but basically all of our corporate, big corporate, you know, through human resources um, sorts of things. But if I were to define critical race theory, I would just define it actually as the racial portion of identity politics. And so what it does is 
um, divides people into different racial groups based on their superficial skin color. Um, and the reason I say that, of course, is because, you know, two people who look very similar could have completely different a- ethnicities, yep. right? Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Both, you know, on any, on any hue on the spectrum. Um, you know, so d- dividing people into j- racial groups based on their um, uh, appearance rather than their actual racial heritage um, and then pitting them against each other and creating a hierarchy of them, saying one is better or worse than the other simply because of their sim color. You know, so it's, it really is kind of like a new wraparound way of just plain old racism. You know, I mean, racism is, you know, taking skin color and using it to judge a person. Right. You know, judging someone by their skin color is just plain racism. And so that's what critical race theory really is. Um, of course, it go, you know, there's a lot of academic scholarship, so-called scholarship. I call it that because um, some of it's just plain, like, wacko. Uh, but, you know, it's gotten really popular, <laughs> as folks know. And so I'm sure, sure your readers are really aware of it just popping out into society in a big way in the past couple of years. But well, it's been there for a long time. Well, well, I know that there's this, I'm using these words loosely, this new African-American studies curriculum mm-hmm. that they've put out there. And I thought it was interesting in your article that you mentioned the fact that the college board was privately pitching this to state mm-hmm. officials and lawmakers and everything, but they were refusing to publicly release what it is. Well, if it's so right. incredible and so dynamic and so wonderful, why wouldn't we release it so everybody could see it and get behind it? Well, I think the real, you know, the answer to that is because they're, you know, they are going to face public backlash once they release what it is. So, you know, the College Board, of course, it's, it's an entity that has had contracts with Indiana. I've actually, you know, reviewed pitches from this company to Indiana education officials. You know, they provide the advanced placement classes that are offered in Indiana public and private schools. Right. They run the SAT test. They're really, really big. They get millions of dollars from taxpayers every year. And the vast majority of their products are used in public schools, where we have a legal right to know what we're paying for, you know, and sponsoring with our tax dollars in these public institutions. But College Board, with this curriculum, is hiding behind, you know, trade secrets to not disclose the materials that they want states to be pushing into their schools on this regard. And let's be, and so folks have actually, you know, a fellow named Stanley Kurtz, a scholar at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Right. He has teachers who are, you know, who are getting these trainings, who are leaking these documents to him. And so he has published, you know, what is inside this curriculum and, that's how we know that it is just standard critical race theory things. And he, he just recently put up today, actually, at National Review, um, some teacher training materials about this. And it, it is, I mean, he quotes it chapter and verse. It is encouraging students to violence for Marxist ends based on stoked up racial grievances. So it's really, really bad stuff. And I think that's the real reason that College Board is hiding behind this fake trade secret stuff um, and not telling taxpayers what they want to do in their public schools. I thought it was you brought up Stanley Kurtz. I thought it was interesting what he said um, that with Florida's Department of Education that they actually wrote back to the College Board and they said, as presented, the content of this course is inexplicably contrary to Florida law and significantly mm-hmm. lacks education value. In other words, it's against everything we stand for, and it's pretty crappy education. That's right. So unlike Indiana's legislature, which needs to get its rear in gear on this issue, Florida has passed a law banning the teaching of critical race theory in public institutions. And so what that means, I mean, the law is very clear. It says things like teachers may not, you know, pit students of different racial skin, you know, backgrounds and skin colors against each other based on their appearances. 
you know, so on and so forth. So it basically just bans racial discrimination. So the quote you just read there shows that the Florida government, you know, says, look, you know, this college board curriculum contradicts our actual anti-racist law that we just passed. And so we can't move it into place. On Sunday, uh, true to form, Kamala Harris, vice president of the United States, went to bat for the pro-critical race theory crew and and claiming that preventing teachers – explain this to me. You're, you're a brilliant woman, far smarter than I am, how this makes sense. Claiming that preventing teachers from teaching kids to judge each other by their skin color and filtering history through a Marxist lens amounts to banning – American history. Excuse me? Well, I mean, that's the gloss on this, right? Because I don't think, I mean, once what is actually being taught here is dragged out into the open, as we've seen in, for example, Virginia, parents of all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all political affiliations, they hate it. They recognize this as obvious racial discrimination. So the people who support it, who are a tiny extremist minority on the in the Democratic Party, such as Kamala Harris, they have to lie to people in order to hoodwink them about what's really going on. You know, so, uh, I, you know, sure. So, you know, Kamala Harris is just calling it American history because who could be against teaching mm-hmm. American history? Nobody is against teaching American history. What she's doing is just ground shifting to hide the fact that she doesn't want American history actually taught because it would show uncomfortable things such as the fact that, you know, Africans, Native Africans sold many of the African slaves that were enslaved in the United States. Yes. There were some Africans in the United States who were slaveholders of other Africans and Native Americans. You know, so there's all kinds of, I'm totally wanting American students to learn the entire history, including, of course, what everybody knows that many, you know, European ancestry folks were enslaving people of African ancestry. Everybody knows that, right? So nobody is whitewashing or hiding that. What she's really up in arms about is the fact that, you know, the left wants to have more overt in racial indoctrination and grievance mongering going on in public schools. And, you know, this is part of their plan to lock down the electorate in support of Democrats' plans. You know, so that's really what the Democrat Party is going for here. And they are just flat out lying to people about really what their plan is. And it's to use public schools to not teach students actual historical facts and context, uh, which everybody supports. But it really is about using schools to manipulate young people in their direction. Well, you know, and, and and there they, the college board, their representation of these college classes in African American studies this time uh, is that these courses are basically what they're basically Marxist, which mm-hmm. which means two things: anti-American and anti-equality. Well, doesn't that mm-hmm. go against everything that supposedly everybody that's it for promoting the minorities and trying to help them out? Equality is all I ever hear out of them. Well, they're not going to get it from this. Well, that's right. And I think actually, you know, there, uh, you know, Americans, young people need to be, you know, seeing the whole truth about American history. They need to see the successes, the ideals, the failures, the horrible injustices. You know, all of that needs to be taught to Americans, you know, young people and adults, you know, but nobody disagrees with that fact. You know, what, what, what we're really disagreeing about is, you know, one political camp's choice to manipulate public institutions for their own political gain and take away any ability of Americans to come together and have neutral, positive places in the public square for people of all different persuasions to come together. Instead, what they want to say is we own the public square and you have to, you know, believe our ideas in order to participate in it and get any benefit out of it. So this is really just a power play 
then the public schools are really, you know, themselves a power play because obviously whoever instructs young people and essentially brings them up, you know, has a major effect on the future of this entire country. So, I mean, I I think it's, of course, a very smart move by the left to, you know, uh, have overt control of the public education system because, you know, thereby they're controlling the, the minds of future voters. But it's also something that's completely unfair and, you know, shouldn't be allowed. And one of the ways that Republicans, you know, need to respond to that is by breaking up the monopoly of education funding that is given directly to one school system and instituting a straight system of backpack funding in Indiana and allowing every single family to decide freely where their kid can go to school and and, and allow them to compare the ideologies of the teachers in the classroom and select what they want their kids to be learning. So the real reason that we're having this fight is that, you know, the state government is directing the bulk of education funds to a system, you know, that has this close hold on kids and therefore it's abusing its power because it has too much power. So parents need to have more power to counterbalance this abuse of their kids and this uh, manipulation of their minds in schools. And while uh, Indiana has, you know, some school choice programs, it really, you know, needs to do better in that regard and give um, parents a lot more power because when you have abuses of power, it's just, you know, sign that too much power is concentrating in one place and it's time to break it up. Well, and, and I think, too, what's going to be happening here, um, they would like CRT to everybody, but um, I think you're going to see a strong push to make sure this gets included, and I'm trying to find the delicate way to say this, into the curriculum in high school for the better achieving students and for those that are more likely to go to college and then those that are more likely to go to an an elite school because they're going to start checking to say, okay, where'd you go to school? What were your grades? What did you take? Okay, in your advanced English course, did you study this or that? And they're going to start checking to see whether or not CRT was an integral part of what it was that they studied, getting to the point now of trying to go to college. I mean, that's absolutely right. And in fact, that's what this entire college board system of high school classes is, because, you know, college boards advanced placement classes, as any parent of of an advanced high schooler knows, they are for, they allow students to get college credit in high school. So, of course, that's the brighter, more accelerated students, the ones who have better preparation, they will take these classes. And so then what these classes do is everybody knows that higher education is very far biased to the left. And so what it does is take that bias of the higher education system and bring it down into the high school level. And so it's expanding, again, the stranglehold of leftist ideology over students' training. I mean, it's, like you said, it's already happening with teacher training. And that's why K-12 schools are increasingly left and left and left is because the teachers have to go through teachers' colleges and get that certification in order to teach in a public and even in private school with our school choice mandates, which is something the state legislature needs to get rid of. You know, so but those teachers colleges are among the furthest left, you know, parts of the university system that's been documented by many studies. So, you know, they're getting, of course, this is just strategically very smart, getting a foothold requiring the teachers who teach the children to be educated in the farthest left departments of state universities that are already far left. And then, you know, then to getting a hold, moving on to the, you know, the advanced students who are going on to more degrees, going to be, you know, most likely the leaders, the people in charge of corporations and all the rest. So, again, you know, I I commend the uh, craftiness of this strategy. But what I do not commend is the use of public funds to turn education into political indoctrination. Children deserve a lot better than that. And if their parents were free to choose 
fully free to choose where their kids went to school, parents would leave that system because they do want a good education for their kids. But many, you know, Hoosiers are still really restrained by the education system that we have, and our lawmakers need to take care of that and get more urgent about it and stop, you know, just doing tiny little pilot programs here and there and really give parents the power to get their kids something that they know is better for them. Talking to Joy Pullman, who's the executive editor of The Federalist. Joy, we've got about a minute and a half left, but I want to ask you this. There's some big pushes again around the country and from the Pat Miller program. Let's do what we can to get rid of our National Department of Education, the Federal Department of Education, and let's throw everything back to the states, which I believe constitutionally is where it belongs. But if everything came from the state, we'd still be in a fight. But would it be a little bit easier and more people would feel like if they could jump into a fight with somebody down in Indianapolis as opposed to somebody up on some granite square up in Washington, D.C.? Yes. I mean, so that would allow, you know, for example, our primary battles to matter a lot more and energize people. And then they could say, take a look at, oh, my goodness, Eric Holcomb, he has picked people on the basis of race to be judges across the state. He's literally picked them for their skin color. If I'm concerned about racism in public institutions, you know, that's the guy that I'm not going to vote into place. And I'm going to be more able to hold you know, him accountable through the primary system rather than him getting to say, well, 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 the feds require us to do this and pass in the buck and pass in the buck. So accountability would be, you know, a lot more brought home to the voters if we were able, if, if we if we got rid of those federal funds and focus on it, what's going on in Indiana. As always, uh, you're you're right on the nail, and uh, I always appreciate you. Uh, again, as I told you when I booked you for today, it's been way too long, which I think I said the last time I had you on. So somewhere along the way, I got to get my head squared around here. But Joy Pullman, uh, always love having you on. Joy Pullman, who's the executive editor of the Federalist. Thank you so very much, and thank you for caring about our kids. Oh, thanks for having me on, Pat. I always love to listen to you and talk to you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Joy Pullman from The Federalist. You can find her stuff. Just do a, just do a Google search uh, for Joy Pullman, P-U-L-L-M-A-N, Joy Pullman, The Federalist, and you can see all of her articles and everything there uh, that you can read and really get enlightened on this stuff. Podcasts by Federated Media.